If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with the other co-host, DJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell thunderous applause uh he just came back from beating the was it is it the nighthawks blackhawks what are they called blackhawks did you win we won good job yeah thanks the yeah. nighthawk is the roller coaster gear wins good right i still call it aftershave or afterburn whatever. that's it's not that one it's the one oh. where you lay down and it's still oh. called the nighthawk that they used to be bored that's what it was okay anyway guys <laughs> <laughs> hey, before anything else, let's go ahead and say a big thanks to all of our patrons over on Patreon. Would would you say that? Yeah, uh, huge thanks to everyone over on our Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, so today we have an interesting topic. We're going to be talking about Genesis 19 again. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about the kind of differences of opinions throughout history of what that chapter means specifically. Um, again, that's the Sodom and Gomorrah story. And just so you all know... Um, well, first, let's say this. Uh, some topics are sensitive, so we will use sensitive words. But do note that some topics are sensitive. Um, also note, we're not going to be talking about whether or not homosexuality is a sin specifically. We're going to be talking about what does this passage say? It might say that, it might not. That's the argument, not is it a sin or not. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're talking about Genesis 19 again also plays into the fact that this is our Dividing Scripture series. because. The dividing part of this scripture is what does it mean? Yeah. So we're covering both parts. Yeah. And some of the people we're going to talk about today um, are going to agree, disagree with the traditional meaning of the scripture, but agree that with the traditional stance on marriage. So Anyway, uh, before we get too far into the topic, as you can tell, I'm excited to talk about it. We're going to jump into some hermeneutics, and that's something I love. Um, but first, um, my friend Jack messaged me about one of our Dividing Scriptures episodes uh, where I said that it's possible Captain Henry Morgan was the most popular pirate. And you said he wasn't. Then he said, TJ is right, right now, but it is possible at the time that Captain Henry Morgan did everything that he was the most popular pirate in the world. That is possible. Yeah. But also, that probably was still Thomas too. But this isn't, that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, before we, before we get into anything, um, TJ, and I mean this earnestly, what, what is, what is your second favorite bush? Silly question, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking about this question and how, you know, I was driving over here. It's just H-R-W. Yeah. Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast, which I never do, uh, with the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, Rod Brendamore. And uh, they won the Stanley Cup in 2006. You know, who was in office in 2006? George W. Yeah, W. Yeah. Go, Texan boy. But you, you uh, wrote a new book. 
Really? I'm not going to read it. He did his own artwork for it. I'm oh. interested. What? You know, uh, when you win the Stanley Cup, you get invited to the White House, yada, yada, meet the president. Or I don't know if it's actually like standard to meet the president, but they did get yeah. to meet George W. <laughs> That's cool. And he shook hands with Rod Brendamore. And uh, he was like, Rod Brendamore, way to go. Fantastic work you're doing with cystic fibrosis, which he doesn't have cystic fibrosis. He runs a charity in Vancouver, which is where he was from, about cystic fibrosis. And you know, George W. Yeah. didn't know that. He doesn't watch hockey. He doesn't go to Vancouver. Yeah, he just associated that name with that phrase that he was supposed to remember. Cause he, yeah, because he looked yeah. it up. Yeah. That's uh, but anyway, my answer is uh, pineapple because pineapples grow on bushes. And that's hilarious to me. That that is pretty funny because they're just really short. They look like trees, but they're still bushes. Supposedly incredibly easy to plant, mm-hmm. but I've never tried. Just takes a long time to grow. Yeah, my favorite bush is honeysuckle. My second favorite bush is the butterfly bush. Next question. All right. No. Uh, should I say my favorite bush too? Now you know what. If you know me, you know what my favorite bush is. Blueberry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't gonna tell him. We're just gonna say shame on you if you don't know. Right. <laughs> Most people don't realize how many fruits and veggies grow on bushes. It's a lot. Look it up. Like tomatoes, cucumbers, squash, uh, pineapple. But anyway. Yeah. But also, I do like George W. All right. I remember that. Just like as a personality. Yeah. yeah. Entertaining guy. Yeah. Presidentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't care about that. I don't even know what he did as a president. He spoke. He said y'all a couple times. But uh, as Joshua said, we're going to be looking at the question of what Sodom sin really was and how different interpreting methods impact the church unity, which is, you know, our big thing. Yeah. Uh, this is our dividing scripture series, which I've already mentioned, where we have been going through the Bible and discussing disagreements Christians have and have had over certain passages and themes to try and see how we can have unity in our diversity of beliefs. As such, we will only give our personal views when it is necessary. Uh, we do not aim to solve any arguments because, you know, it's been going on for a thousand years. Yeah. Smarter people tried. Yeah. Why bother? Uh, uh, that's just not right. Uh, we just want to discuss different views on today's topic throughout history to discuss whether or not we can have unity and still disagree on this topic. And if we can, what it would look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everybody just uh, open your Bibles to Genesis 19. Read it. Or you know, maybe, maybe pause, then read it, then hit play. Uh, read it on your own time. We're not going to read it on the podcast because we discovered that takes too much time. So instead, uh, TJ, could you summarize the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in 30 seconds or less? Uh, probably not. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to try. All right. Bible stories aren't really my strong suit. I just remember the big points. So, so that, that should work for this. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sin filled down. There were, there were some people who didn't like that. And they were like, hey, God, do something about that. And uh didn't really happen. Or not the way they wanted, at least. Like, oh, all right, we'll leave or whatever. And then uh Lot's wife turned into salt. I mean, sort of. Sort of. God did send fire from heaven to consume the entire city. Right. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And it was such a bad destruction, it gets talked about literally the rest of the Bible. Just occasionally, like, you know what? You know what? God hates you so much, he's gonna he's gonna do what he did to Sodom. And then just everybody was like, oh, uh, not that. So, you know, we just re- ran down like fire, but people understood it was pretty bad. 
<laughs> so now that I've covered the uh, very bad summary of Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> uh, can you explain to us in detail what you know the story is about? Give us those details. Um, yeah. So like TG said, um, and actually we covered that in a different part. I don't think we covered it last dividing scripture. I think it was this part before. But um, before the story even came about, God was coming to Abram. was like, hey, I think I'm going to destroy this city. And Abram was like, wait a minute, my nephew's down there. And God was like, oh, you know. And I was like, okay, but, but why? And God told him, you know, people in the city are crying out, saying, hey, this is messed up. Do something about it. So I got to do something about it. And Abram was like, okay, but what if there's 100 righteous people? I was like, ah, I won't kill them if there's 100 there. And he just keeps narrowing it down to like, what if there's just one righteous there? Um, God sends, well, there was three angels there. A lot of people believe it may or may not. Well, the third one may or may not have been God himself as an angel. We probably talk about that with Michael Heiser here in a couple episodes. That's not what we're going to discuss today. Uh, the other two angels, however, went to Sodom, check it out. And um, Lot found them and said, hey, hurry, get in my house. We'll be friendly and hospitable to you. And then all of the men, or maybe all of the people, that's part of the debate here, decided, hey, wait a minute, we want to sleep with those guys. <laughs> and uh, Lot basically said, no, you can have my daughters instead, though. And they said, no, we want them. <laughs> the angels look nice. And um, basically, the angels got mad about that, escorted Lot out. It's like, hey, God, do your thing. And a uh, fire came down, destroyed the city. Um, the angels told Lot and his family to move out to anywhere, basically, and to not look back. Lot's wife looked back, as TJ said, and turned into a pillar of salt. And then uh, it was just Lot. And then there's a really weird story at the end of this with Lot and his two daughters. Look it up if you're interested. But it's not appropriate for us to talk about it on a podcast. No. That is my not 30 seconds. <laughs> Much better than mine. But it wasn't 30 seconds. Not at all. Yeah, you get time. I get depth. I don't know. How does that work? Accuracy. Something. Um, <laughs> uh, so this episode is going to be a little bit different than some of our other dividing scripture series. Uh, we're going to look at the historical arguments. Starting in the Old Testament, they were disagreeing about what the story of Sodom meant while they were writing the Bible still. So for a very long time, this has been debated. Um, we're going to look at the interpretations from Old Testament, the interpretations in the New Testament, interpretations from Christians after that. Uh, then we're going to spend a part of our time talking about the hermeneutics and how do we understand how we interpret the Bible, because that's sort of the base of the argument of how do we know what this chapter means? And uh, because everybody interprets different, we obviously don't all agree that it means the same thing. Um, yeah, one major principle of hermeneutics, which hermeneutics is just the study of how you read the Bible or interpret the Bible, is that you have to look at each section of scripture or each pericope of scripture in the whole of the Bible. So I can't just look at one chapter and be like, what does this mean? I have to look at what does this mean? And also, what does it mean in the context of the entire Bible? So that's part of what we're going to be doing today. Right. And it's confusing because the, the Bible reinterprets the story of Sodom uh, a lot. You know, yeah. it happens a few times. And uh, not every interpretation given in the Bible agrees. Like we said, it, it yeah. was contentious from the very beginning. Yeah. In some scriptures, you'll, you'll see where it'll be confusing. And then another book of the Bible will be like, oh, hey, you remember that thing? It means this. 
And if only one interpretation is given elsewhere in the Bible, you can just say, yeah, that's it. But here we have where one person says it means this. One person means, yeah, that means that other thing. And it's just like, okay, which one? The Bible says all of those. Some important themes to look at in Genesis that many use to argue their own perspectives in the story. Uh, One is the fact that judgment is coming because people cried for it. Uh, implies to some that the sin must not be the same sex relations as those do not tend to harm others in this way. Which I'm sure some people would try to debate. But most people are like, yeah, people doing their own thing doesn't hurt them. Right. Uh, the Bible makes a point, is the second thing. The Bible makes a point to state it was the men in Genesis 19 that are seeking out the angels, which are also men. Which. Yeah. So you could see where one person is saying, Basically, no, it's not about homosexuality. They're not hurting nobody. And other people are like, well, it says men. And it says men. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the scripture, Genesis 19. Um, I want to say it's in verse four. Right. Uh, the Bible reads, before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, the men, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, where are these men who, who came to you tonight? Send them out to us so that we can do stuff with them. Right. And I right. interpret it on the spot. Part of it. And, uh, you know, the, the thing there is, does it mean the whole population or does it mean just the men? Because it says both. Yeah. Could be mankind. Mm-hmm. Or it could be whole population as in the whole population of the men. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Um. So now, just looking at those other Old Testament interpretations, um, they mostly agree, but not completely. So if you look at Isaiah 1-4, and then again in verse 10, Isaiah basically says, yeah, the sin of Sodom, you know, oppressing the marginalized, murdering people, and and thievery. That's what Sodom did. That's why God punished them. But then, later in Isaiah, uh, chapter 13, verse 9, he says, you know, God punished Sodom for pride. It's not quite the same thing as what he just said earlier in his own book. Right. Um, then Jeremiah 23, 14 he says, yeah, uh, Sodom was punished for adultery, idolatry. So cheating with your wife, worshiping other things and abuse of power, which aren't completely the same as the things above. Um, Amos 4 and Zephaniah 2 both say that God punished Sodom for pride for mocking others and for oppressing the poor, which we saw the oppressing the poor earlier and power abuse. So maybe that's kind of a repeating theme here. Um, and then Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50, um, God says the sin of Sodom. And this one's really explicit. If you read all, if you read the scriptures, this is the one that most explicitly says the sin of Sodom is mm-hmm. arrogance, gluttony, and inhospitality. It's very specific with the inhospitality part. Right. So, uh, what do you what do you think? Do these agree? Are they conflicting? What's going on here? So I think the way that some of these are phrased is prohibitive, but I don't think the the sins themselves are prohibitive. All of, they can commit all of these sins. They can be punished for all of these things. No, so they could just they were punished for all of the above, basically. Yeah, and uh, even further, I think all of these things come from pride in some form. That makes sense. Yeah, because it's not like being inhospitable to someone prevents me from marginalizing someone. Right. I can do both of those Mm -hmm. things. And 
I should, mm. but I could. A lot of those things, arrogance, gluttony, mocking, oppressing the poor, all of those are, you know, in my opinion, directly related to pride and being too prideful. Yeah. And one thing a lot of people point out, you know, because modernly we usually say Sodom, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. None of these seem to be, I mean, there's one that said adultery, right? Yeah. Jeremiah 23, 14 says adultery. Most of them aren't talking about the same sex thing. Does that, you think that prohibits our interpretation or can we just pile that onto the other sense? Well, it's, it's kind of a hard question because it's, there's a, there's a lot of things going on there. And, you know, why would they only be punished for two or three of those things? Yeah, that makes sense. That's my view. But that's that's the kind of person I am anyway. So, you know, you're doing this. You're also doing this. Those are both bad things. Yeah. Get punished for both. Get punished for one. Serve it for both. <laughs> doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But they were punished. They did do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And they we were punished. I assume they probably also had same-sex relations based on the men were definitely present when they were trying to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's right. The sin that was the the sin of Sodom, right? Uh, the sin of Sodom really seems to be uh, all of them. Most <laughs> sins. Sodom did all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few of the ways you can support us, the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite Church Unity podcast. Yeah, so you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. You can subscribe to our show wherever great podcasts are found. You can rate this show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter by going to our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can share this episode on your own social media, or you can donate to our Cash App using the tag that's in the show notes. Especially that last one. It's a great way to contribute if you don't want to be burdened by like a monthly payment or if you just want us to get all of the money but with no middleman at all patreon is already really good at that but yeah. you know, if you don't necessarily need the rewards you get from supporting us on patreon then cash yeah. up's the way to go and there's a lot of needs with the show and uh, you guys really are the only way we're able to keep this going so thank you thanks your message matters my friend And as a believer in the marketplace, your God-given uniqueness is a huge business asset. Like the Flamingo, you need to learn to ignore the naysayers, rise above the noise, dream bigger, and embrace the bold color and giftings you've been given. I'm Katie Horner, missionary advocate, international business owner, best-selling author, and Christian business strategy coach. And it's my great pleasure to bring you the For Your Success podcast over to your favorite podcast app every week. I'll be showing you how to design a business you love, one that honors God while it grows your income and legacy impact. Join me for short, thought-provoking episodes and register for our next free kingdom business class at foryoursuccesspodcast.com. But Judges 19 uh, also has a similar story that some people use to reinforce their perspective. Uh, what can you summarize about this story in 30 seconds or less? Um, basically, a uh, judge was with some people. They were just kind of journeying out, trying to stay safe. Uh, stayed at a guy's house. Guy was hospitable, let them in. 
um, the men of the town nearby were like, hey, wait a minute, we want to sleep with them. And he was like, uh, no, I'll give you my daughter. Um, they took the daughter and they took her in such a way that she ended up uh, very abused and died on his porch. So, um, yeah, I think that was 30 seconds. Probably not. Who knows? Might have been close. <laughs> I was in time, so it worked out. Uh, some people use this to say it proves that the sin was the desire of men for men. Uh, others use it to show, show that the sin was their desire to be violent, uh, which they were. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, at least a little. <laughs> yeah. They, they killed somebody. <laughs> right. But other literature from before the New Testament also offers interpretations of Sodom and what their sin was. Uh, we have Sorah 16 and 8. I don't know if I said that right. I don't know how to say that. It mentions arrogance as the sin of Sodom. Uh, number two is Third Maccabees 2 and 5, which is not in the Apocrypha. But it's in the Orthodox Bible. It is in the uh, Orthodox Bible. Yeah. Uh, also mentions arrogance. Uh, Number and the third one is uh, the Book of Wisdom, nineteen fifteen, and you know it calls the sin of Sodom as inhospitable. Uh, would you say that these agree with other Old Testament interpretations? I mean, we literally listed arrogance and hospitality. Oh yeah. So I guess, I guess yeah, and I guess it's the same thing. So far, it just seems like their sin was all of the above. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll see other people's arguments for or against that later. Right, right? and if yeah. you haven't caught it by now i'm saying it again uh read the apocrypha yeah yeah check out that episode we did with uh, father jonathan and professor chris moreland mm -hmm. episode 86 i think table terrifying number yeah um so the new testament has two places where it says what the sin of sodom was because you know we still haven't figured this out in the new testament uh peter writes in second peter 2 7 that the sin of sodom was Sensual conduct of the wicked. And that's pretty much the closest we get to someone saying, or the New Testament, both of these are the closest we get to someone saying, yeah, it was, it was same-sex desires, guys. Um, Jude, which, mind you, there are no chapters in Jude. It's a very short book. Jude, verse 7, uh, says that uh, the sin of Sodom was uh, chasing after, and quote, strange flesh. Some people say strange flesh must mean, you know, Beast they were not natural, so it was, you know, same sex with other people, uh, other people, which I, I, I forgive me for giving my personal opinion, but I think at least for this particular scripture, uh, he very specifically ties what he's talking about to the sins that happened in Genesis chapter six, the beginning of which where um, women slept with the sons of God, which were like angels, which makes it seem like the sin might have been that they were trying to do sacrilege. And chasing after something that was holy mm -hmm. and defiling. Non-human flesh. Yeah, basically. Right. Which, yeah, around the same time as the New Testament is being written, uh, Philo, I, I believe it's pronounced a Jewish philosopher, uh, offers the first interpretation that explicitly names same-sex desire as a sin of Sodom. Uh, he claimed that the root of Sodom's sins was having goods in excess, and that overindulgence led to a ravishing lust that turned bad, which is interesting to me because I don't think ravishing lust can be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's um, sensual desires that can be holy, you know, for your wife or something, and then 
you can have that kind of desire that's so strong it ends up making you super bad like what happened in sodom is what his argument was right. um which i just want to point out it's been what like seven thousand years since the story of sodom was written at this point and someone finally said you know it was it was their attraction for the same men right and that's just crazy that it took that long. Right. Uh, but the debate continued into the early church. Uh, in the first and in the second and third centuries, uh, Tertullian and Jerome said uh, pride and gluttony alone were Sodom's sins. Yeah. Uh, in the third century, uh, Oregon, Origen, Origen, one of those words, uh, castrated himself. Possibly. Uh, it was said that he was so anti-sensuality kind of stuff that he uh, he just was like, you know what? I'm going to keep myself from having any desires. Yeah. Turn himself into an Enoch. Yeah. Which was something. does work for uh, removing desires. But uh, but it's interesting. Someone who was that focused on that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, anyway. But anyway, yeah. Uh, he said that uh, the inhospi- inhospitality alone was Sodom's sin. Uh, in the fourth century, we had uh, John Kashian and Basil. Uh, Gluttony leads to uncontrollable lust is the, the stance that they took on the issue. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting. Right. Thought for another day. Uh, in the late 4th century, uh, John Chrysostom uh, said inhospitality and the same-sex desire. And that's really just the second time Yeah, that same-sex desire is brought up you know, in regards to Sodom. Uh, in the 5th century, Augustine he he really said same sex was the main sin, and I can't say for sure, but you know Augustine hold, held a lot of weight in the church and still does. Oh, yeah. So that's probably where most of that comes from. Well, I'm going to get to this in a second, actually. But uh, Augustine and Jerome, Jerome, mm-hmm. you know, typically they kind of butt heads when they agreed. Everybody was like, "Well, those two agree. It, right. It's got to be right." So, see you in a second. Yeah. Um, so Jerome had a lot to do with. It this shift um he was kind of the one who emphasized um certain acts marriage bed acts if you will should only happen for the sake of producing children he's like yeah that's the only time every other time it's sin it is bad and he was so anti sensuality is sensuality word yes okay um he was so anti that that naturally he was like yep yep this first two this is also saying this um when that kind of influenced Augustine as well. And with the two of them combined, it kind of concreted that translation of uh, Genesis 19, where, yeah, and that's why we read it now and say, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. And uh, it remained that way for about a thousand years. You know, nothing compared to the six and a half thousand before or something. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Short amount of time. Yeah. You know, uh, five times longer than America's <laughs> been a country. That's true. But for the last like 100, 200 years, uh, the argument has come back up with some more uh, progressive leaning theology and that kind of stuff, um, mostly by people who are trying to legitimize same sex desires in the church. Um, whether where you stand on that is wherever you stand on that, um, which. For those who didn't know, we have talked about the actual sin itself a couple times, episode 39 and episode 56, both. And we do give our opinions on same-sex desire. So check those episodes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so one last person we want to we wanna mention, been on the podcast before, Dr. Trimper Longman III. 
he's made some major contributions to how the modern people kind of think about this verse. Um, let me go ahead and let you guys know. He actually is someone who falls for in line with traditional marriage. He thinks same-sex actions are sinful. And he, when he talks about this subject, he's very apologetic, very humble, and uh, tries his best to love people. But uh, anyway, he, he said that um, because we can't interpret Sodom as being about same-sex relations because other Bible passages that talk about it don't say that's what it is. You know, you got to listen to what the Bible says, basically. Um, he says the closest we get is in Second uh, Peter. But it doesn't specifically say same-sex activity, and we can't just make that jump because it's convenient for us. Um, and uh, he, he ends up, at the end of his discussion about Sodom specifically, he says the story of Sodom and Gomorrah really has no bearing on the discussion at hand. So he still falls in line with traditional marriage, but, he says, yeah, but that's not what this story is about. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with that, that's really all the the big, you know, big boy theology yeah. folks we have <laughs> to talk about for now at least and uh, now it's time for our illustrious think tank segment this is you know where we ask our facebook group so about 30 church leaders and you know we have i would i don't want to say most denominations because they're you know a whole lot but we have well you know we have all the big ones catholics pentecostals Lutheran, yeah uh but we asked them about today's topic, and this, we asked them like a week ago, two. Yeah, over the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, we just wanted to get a glimpse of what the whole church believes today. Well, that's why we have this group. You know, leaders in the church, they're pretty, pretty solid about what they believe. Pretty diverse, too. They have some interesting, uh, I don't know if you call them debates, conversations. Yeah. Debate-like conversations. Heated conversations. <laughs> uh, but to start out with, we just asked. Uh, what is the sin of Sodom? Because you know, it's yeah. an easy way to start the conversation. <laughs> uh, and we, we made it multiple choice just because, you know, it kind of streamlines, streamlines things, makes it more likely to interact. That's true. Uh, but the choices we gave were same-sex relations, uh, sacrilege, inhospitality, other, and then all of the above. Uh, so we got one vote for sacrilege, uh, one vote for same-sex relations, one for inhospitality, I just can't say that word right now, uh, two for all of the above, and two people added their own answers. Uh, Pastor Will Rose, a Lutheran guy, uh, just just went surfing again yeah, recently. He surfs yeah. a lot. <laughs> uh, Good guy. You know, shout out Will. But uh, he added violence against outsiders and got two votes. Uh, Niles Merritt added pride and injustice and got one vote, which... I assume it's from him. I don't know how that I works. I feel like we got the same answers that the Bible gave us. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the same amount of diversity. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, now, we also asked a question about what we're about to discuss after the Think Tank segment. Um, so after this, we're going to talk about these ideas, Midrash and Eisegesis. Um, just briefly, Midrash is basically the act of reimagining Bible stories and that, that's all you need to know. We asked, is Midrash ever okay? Is it ever okay to just reimagine a Bible story? Um, Professor Chris Moreland, he's a, our Catholic buddy who's on episode, we just talked about episode 86, um, said it was acceptable to use Midrash only if it's distinguished from interpretation. So you can reimagine 
what the Bible stories were like. But you have to make sure that no one's using that to interpret, basically. Um, William Lovett said it was absolutely never acceptable. Uh, then me, our friend Niles Merritt, he's on the Think Tank segment a lot, been on the podcast before. And William, uh, me, Niles, and William all had kind of a, a brief discussion whether uh, Veggie Tales counts as Midrash. Because, you know, they kind of reimagined some Bible stories. And uh, or if Francine Rivers books like um, that one she does about Jose, I forget what it's called. Most women in our church love it. But they actually, I think they're using it for the Women's Bible Study. Anyway, if Francine Rivers books also count as Midrash, uh, we, we basically, we couldn't decide. Do you, is VeggieTales Midrash, TJ? No. No? Next question. Uh, so, they, they reimagine so, Hey, Bible hold on. Study. Okay. So... The, the reason I don't believe that VeggieTales is Midrash is no one is using VeggieTales to interpret the Bible. They're using it to learn the Bible. But you can use Midrash without interpreting. But here's the thing. The reason VeggieTales exists is because Phil Vischer one day said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if Fruits could talk? But the second reason VeggieTales <laughs> exists is to teach children about Bible stories. and. You know, if you've ever taught a child something, it's necessary to simplify things. Yeah, but isn't he reimagining it so that he can simplify it? But what I'm saying is I, it's necessary almost if we want to, you know, get these kids into it and let them see. see I Bible agree stories. that it's necessary, but I still think it might be midrash. But yeah, I don't think necessary so because it's midrash. I don't know. It's just for kids. It's not. Guys, come on our Facebook and let us know what you think. It's not, you know, here's how I see the Bible. This is how it happened. But that's not. There was a tomato there. Is like either. But either way, I, I just don't see it as much. We'll come back to this. Whole episode on Midrash. <laughs> I would do it. All right. And uh, the last thing we asked him about, uh, you know, this particular segment, we asked how the church can be more hospitable to LGBTQIA plus uh, people in our local communities. Uh, Niles Merritt said, get to know them as individuals. Stop using terms like gay community or LGBT agenda or alphabet community. Or uh, any of the other terms. Right. Yeah. Uh, many of these individuals suffer from depression and suicidal ideation. Uh, be friends, love them, hang out with them, share Jesus with them out of loving concern, and not out of moral superiority, which we handled in episode 39 with Chris and... 56. 56, was, yeah. Was, yeah right. we, had, we had like four different people. Right. But we talk about that there. Uh, he went on to explain that we should try talking to people rather than about them, and that's to them rather than about them. Uh, the comments received an abnormal amount of likes and reactions, so uh, we assume most of our think tank agrees with that segment. Yeah. Sentiment. So. so, also, I, I want to throw in there. The Bible says a lot about gossip and how that's a sin. And I think that speaks to what Niall means. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about someone, you are gossipy. Even if it's just about the whole agenda of LGBTQ agenda, if you're talking about them like that, that's still gossip. Mm -hmm. Which because it's not about an individual doesn't right. mean it's not the same thing. Yeah. Which doesn't exist. Like every gay person on the planet doesn't log on to Zoom <laughs> at the end of the week and talk <laughs> about what they want. They did, though. But if I'm wrong, someone let me know. Because, <laughs> man, that would be funny. Oh, uh, but 
you know, that, uh, that's it for our Think Tank segment this week. Uh, we wanted to look at how differing interpretive methods have impacted this debate and overall church unity uh, before we consider how we can maintain Christian unity with all of these differences of opinion. So, uh, Josh, yeah. would you like to? Um, so, as you've already seen, Midrash is a tricky subject. <laughs> I've had lots of conversations about it the last few weeks. Uh, TJ just had a heated discussion. <laughs> um, so Midrash is reimagining a biblical story. And there's there's a bunch of different versions of Midrash, and it means different things, really. If you're talking to someone who's currently a Jewish believer and they're talking about Midrash, they mean something different than if you talk to a Christian leader in the church and talk about Midrash. I want to throw that out there. Um, but basically, for the purposes of our conversation, and if you hear it in a church setting, this what it means, is you're taking a Bible story and reimagining it either in today's context saying, this is what that story would look like today. Um, if you ever heard a pastor or somebody on TV be like, imagine that. Imagine if today, and it wouldn't be lion pitch, you would be thrown to this. You know, they, they do that kind of simile kind of thing. That's a type of midrash, which is very different from other types of midrash. Um, some people, even in the Bible. Shark tank. What? Throw them in the shark tank. Yes. <laughs> I thought about the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mark Cuban. Yeah. Hit me up. I could really um, use $7 million to run this podcast. Other types of midrash, though, like what we see in the Bible, is they'll reimagine the story and make a new point with an old story. And that new point might be a valid point. It might be something good. But we can't say that that new point is what the original text meant. And a lot of people do that. And that's like a midrash fallacy. So typically when you hear Christian leaders talk about Midrash, they're talking about that fallacy that is often used, not necessarily the interpretive method of Midrash that Jewish leaders use today. Mm -hmm. And that VeggieTales, I think, is. It is. Um, yeah, so it's used by Paul, it's used by Jesus, it's used by Peter. Um, I'm going to give you one example that Paul does, and I believe it's Galatians 4. I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, Paul talks about, which we're going to be talking about this story, the next dividing scriptures, I believe. Um, Paul talks about the story where, so Abram has a wife, and then he has a slave girl. Slave girl is Hagar. He has a child with her first. We'll talk about why later. And then he has a child by his wife. The slave and her child has to be casted out. And Abram's wife, Sarah, and her child stay, and his child becomes the child of promise. What Paul talks about is not what it originally meant. What that story is originally about is how to show respect to your wife, according to me, and different things to different people. But we'll talk about that next dividing scripture series. But we know for sure it's not what Paul said. What Paul said was that, yeah, uh, so Hagar and Ishmael, they represent slaves. You don't want to be a slave. And Sarah and her child Isaac, they represent promise. We can all be children of promise today which made a good point. It was good, but that's not correct interpretation. That's not what the original scripture meant, but it's in the Bible. So it's still true. So how do, how do we, how do we wrap our heads around that DJ? Uh, well, I definitely would not want to be a slave. <laughs> is that, is that I our thought about it before. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's right. He's spitting facts. That's <laughs> yeah. But why, 
Why is it that Paul's able to do that? And that's considered, you know, that's scripture. We consider that authoritative. But if your pastor got up this Sunday and said, Jesus died on a cross, and crosses represent wood. That's why lumber's high today. That would not be considered legitimate. Why is that not legitimate? No, that's true. But what Paul did is legitimate. Uh, so, really, it, it all depends on who you are. So, if I become important enough, I could do it. <laughs> if you become one of the 12 disciples and you go back in time and do it, I, I think people will probably take what you said as authoritative. I think, for me, and then this is up for debate, I think that his interpretive method and his interpretation in this case is not authoritative. But his point is authoritative, if that makes sense. Right. His point that we can be children of the promise, that's what's authoritative. Not, hey, now we have to reinterpret the original story. Mm -hmm. That's how I take it. I could see where people take it differently because just like we said earlier, we use the Bible to interpret the Bible. The Bible says this is what that means, and that's what that means, you know? Right. And that's a, that's a problem. But in this case, I that's have. not what he was trying to do. Right. That's, that's a different problem I have with some theological practices. Like, if the story came first, that's what I'm going to base what I think off of. That, you know, a million people smarter than me can say whatever they want about it. I'm not going to take any of their word as authoritative. Unless it's literally Jesus Christ. Uh, so you're starting to sound like a literalist, TJ. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll believe what Jesus says. But uh, that brings us to uh, exegesis and uh, eisegesis. Um, so first, uh, do, do you know what exegesis is? I, like, I feel like I would be able to recognize it if I saw it, but I couldn't give you a definition. So this is... Um, I don't know if this is, I, I can't think of a good word association that would help with this, but TJ might be able to. Exegesis is where you're taking the meaning out of the text and applying it to your life. Eisegesis is where you're taking your life and putting it in the text to make sense of the text. So it's like the opposite. Mm -hmm. Do you have a good word association for that? Antonym. Uh, you know, but I thought you'd be like exit, like exit out of the text and eisegesis is in ice into the text. But you know, ice isn't a thing. I mean, ice is a thing, but. Not right. a thing that makes uh, sense. Do you know what uh, pronouns are? Yeah. Do you know the singular pronouns? <laughs> I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. There we go, guys. So eisegesis would be like if I'm reading Paul and I see where he's talking about how women have to have long hair. And I say, okay, well, that's that. I'm going to take my life. Uh, I see that of the women I'm interested in, only one of them has long hair. So clearly that's who I should be with. You know, if I was dating and that's what I use to decide my wife, that would be bad. <laughs> that's not what the text is saying. Right. Yeah. So both things are bad. No, exegesis is good. Okay. Yeah. Exegesis would be if I looked at that text and I looked at the context and saw that, okay, what he's trying to say is in that culture, having short hair is disrespectful. So I should try not to be disrespectful to those around me today. That's proper interpretation. Hmm. It's improper to say, okay, so we should have long hair also. You're going into the text instead of taking something out of it. Right. Yeah. It's like a self-insert. Yeah. And why it's important with this is we have to, when we look at Midrash and eisegesis concerning today's text, Genesis 19, a lot of people will take our culture and our understandings of what's going on with same-sex desires and all that, and how Sodom has been used throughout all of history. My cat is right here. Oh, how Sodom has been used 
throughout history and interpretations, and we'll say, okay, so we're taking our understanding that we already had, and we're applying that to the text. Instead of seeing what does the text just say mm-hmm. and taking it out. Right. Midrash would be if we use that, and we use the text, and we make a new point. So we take the text and we say, okay, it's saying this. We're not saying that this is the meaning. However, I can take this and show the point these men are going after these men and that that is sinful. So there's a way you can get to it using Midrash and there's a way you can get to it using eisegesis. But are either appropriate? It's a good question. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. If you're using the Midrash to say that's what the text means, it is not appropriate. Right. But if you're using it and saying that's not what the original text means, however, I can use this story to make this new point. Right. Or honestly, a lot of VeggieTales would tell the biblical study story, I mean, and then make a different point than what the story meant because his children are, his audience is children. Right. So he's making a point that's relevant to the children. Right. And that's, that's what I was saying earlier. It's not, I think that's Midrash. misconstrued for the point of, you know, forming a new point. It's I think it's good. Midrash, finding, I think it's Midrash. Finding a point for children in the story. Phil Vischer, when you watch this, please let us know whether or not you consider your work Midrash. Oh, man. Uh, so that being said, um, and tell Bill Reeves that I liked his, uh, I liked his commencement speech at NGU graduation. Did a good job. Nice. Um, yeah. So how we use Midrash specifically, uh, it can be any of the tiers. We, you know, we do our, um, triage where we kind of look at it and say, Hey, is this first tier issue where we can't say you're a Christian? What is it? Can we still have unity? What we're looking at. Um, if you're using Midrash to replace the meaning of the text, say the text doesn't mean this, it means this other thing. See, that's first tier issue. You're defining the Bible, so we can't have Christian unity if we can't agree on the Bible, basically. Well, in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, eisegesis? Well, let's finish Midrash first. Um, if you're just using it as a extra interpretation you say okay it means this but it also means this mm-hmm. that could be second tier if we disagree on what you mean about that we'll just go to different churches call each other christians because we still agree that the text does mean what the text means um but if you're using it just for entertainment like veggie tales or just to kind of re re-emphasize what the bible already said like what i think francine rivers does that's a third tier issue. If I don't think he should be doing veggie tales because he's not literally saying word for word what the Bible said, we can still go to the same church and just disagree on be like, hey, what you're doing stupid. Right. You know, which I don't think that. Just so you know, I like veggie tales. Mm-hmm. I'm giving a lot of my personal opinions of the for uh, Divine Scriptures series. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so Isogesis is first or second tier because you're reinterpreting what the Bible said. It would be like taking the constitution and saying, okay, but what would this mean if it was written today? That, that you can't do that. Oh, but people do that, but they shouldn't. They're wrong. Um, that's up for debate. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to say, uh, we're not sure if, uh, same sex desires is where we have a stance on same sex desire being a sin or not. We're not sure if that argument is a first tier issue or not. Go look at those other episodes. Let us know what you think. I definitely understand why people think it's first year. I think it's probably a first year, but it's really hard for me to say because it's a lot of people aren't just denying the Bible. They're just interpreting it different. Mm-hmm. 
which makes it challenging for me because I do still think that it is a sin because that's what our church teaches and that's what I believe the Bible says. Right. But as far as the issues go about Genesis 19, uh, that's all we have for today. Uh, we hope our time today has helped you understand the many different stances in the church today. I'm wearing stance socks right now. That's not one of them. Uh, but uh, helps you understand how we got to the beliefs we have today and uh, that it's helped us help bring us all closer together in unity with one another. And if it's just sparked a bunch of debates, let us know. We are not uh, legally culpable for that. <laughs> uh, so TJ, what's our one action for to maintain unity today? Uh, buy a pair of handcuffs. Put one on your wrist. Put one on someone else's wrist. <laughs> Boom, unity. Keep it there for a day. Keep it there for a day. Okay, but really. I think it it's kind of a, a hard question when we've heard, you know, 100 answers for this at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have noticed a lot of things come up frequently. Uh, talk to someone is one of the most common. Not a balance. Right. Uh, stop gossiping. That's going to be my action. I changed my mind. Don't, if you learn something about someone, don't spread the news. Keep to I, yourself. I want to say, because I think this is a real practical way to do what TJ's talking about. What if we all this week had a piece of paper and every time we caught ourselves talking about someone else, we just wrote it down. Just to, just to look and see, this is how many times I gossip in a day or a week or whatever. Right. Then, then you'll know how much you need to repent. For some of us, it's probably a lot. Yeah. Do one of those things. Don't talk about others. Don't talk about me. I can hear you. <laughs> Always. Uh, so if we all do this, TJ, what will we see change? I, I think people will, in general, be a lot happier with themselves. Uh, you know, a big part of the people we're gossiping about or the people who are doing the gossip? If you're doing gossip, stop. I think once you stop, you will feel better about yourself. Because you know, that's one of those things where it's it's easier to talk about others than it is to analyze yourself. And it kind of helps you normalize uh, your own state of being. So if you stop talking about others, you kind of just let you be yourself. And it is a coping mechanism. I understand that. Uh, it is not a healthy one, but it is an easy one. So a lot of people do it. Uh, I just, I think we'll see people be more content with who they are, which will allow people to be more unified. Yeah, content people are easier to get along with. Mm -hmm. I can see where that leads to unity. Right. Yeah. And, and how about you? Is that, what do you think about? What do I think it'll accomplish? Yeah. I think I'm going to try and say this quickly. I think a lot of us have a hard time achieving unity because we gossip. Because I hear so many times, I'm just going to make up a name. I hear other people talk about Joe at church all the time. Right. And then I'm like, well, you know, they're talking about him. So I just like, you know, actually, I heard Joe did this. And we're all talking about Joe so much. 
I'm sorry if you're named Joe. Um, when I see Joe at church, I think I'm a lot less likely to approach him, mm-hmm. to shake his hand, say, hey, man, God loves you. How's it going? And talk to him. So I think that's the way the gossip really gets in our way. And if we just stopped doing that and we heard other people gossip, he's like, hey, man, don't talk about him when he's not here. Mm-hmm. And we did that and we really reinforced it. It'd be a lot easier for us to get along with each other. Right. Yeah. So try that. Take a piece of paper, use the notes app on your phone, write down every time you think about gossiping or gossip, and then just look at that list and uh, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Bring and condemnation it, on yourself right. from yourself. And if it, it's, it's hard to change yourself, but we think it would be worth it. But anyway, but well, we want to get into our God moment, which hopefully you all know if this is your first episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> kind of a big one. But uh, we just mentioned, you know, a moment of worship or a challenge or a blessing, moment of whatever, you know, somewhere we've seen God in our lives recently. And I'd like to make Josh go first, even when there's just two of us. So, Josh, do you have a God moment for us? Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure I do, right? Like, a lot happens in my life. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that my God moment is going to be that a lot hasn't been happening in my life actually um you know i have a lot of good things i'm looking forward to things that are about to happen but i also still feel like a sense of calmness like things are kind of peaceful right now and i'm thankful for that so that's cool all right yeah what about you uh you know i think my god moment of the week of this episode is going to be that yeah i don't know if i'm not allowed to talk about this but i'm gonna so if it is a problem, persecute me later. But uh, we're doing camp again this year, at least for these seniors, which is a big deal for me. I love camp. Yeah, Thank God. Church camp. Yeah. We did a bonus episode on that. It's our very first bonus episode. So just go down to easy bonus. Yeah. Right. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend. Uh, it helps us a lot. It goes a long way. Uh, Listen to more of this series in the playlist in the show notes, yeah. uh, which is a feature on Captivate. Yeah. Well, I mean, the show notes are wherever you're listening to the podcast. You should be able to just hit go to podcast. It'll be on the uh, description. So some future guests for the podcast. Uh, we've got Kristen Taylor, the director of The Girl Who Wore Freedom, which is a great movie. Uh, it's being released July. Yeah. Uh, later this summer. <laughs> uh, co-host of the Holy Post podcast as well. Uh Anglican chaplain Steve Longclo, a great guy. Uh, Pastor Andy Kinder, good friend of ours, uh, founded the Kinder Chocolate Company. That's not true. <laughs> but, uh, and of course, at the end of season one, this season, we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, probably. As soon as he agrees. <laughs> Which he will. We just got to keep asking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, thanks for listening. We also enjoy our time talking at each other and you listening and uh, I hope you come back next week have a good one